Welcome to Adventure Freaks, a podcast on living abroad on a budget. Yep. Okay, you ready, my man? I'm ready. Go ahead. All right. So today, Sonny, thank you so much for being here. Sonny joins me from Medellin, Colombia. And Sonny is a, a world traveler. He's a, a fascinating guy. Sonny is, uh, he was born in Hong Kong and he moved a, as a young boy to Jersey, became a Jersey boy. And um, later, later on, he trekked back overseas to Holland. Then he came back and lived in New York City. And now he has found Colombia of all places, and he's living in Medellin. So welcome, man, and thank you so much for doing this, Sonny. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So here's the thing. This is the big thing that I've been hearing about. Medellin has a reputation. This is, this is the land of Pablo Escobar. Everybody, yes. you know, every, you know, Pablo Escobar, they have the series, the Netflix series about his life. He was the big drug kingpin in, in Colombia, and he is originally from Medellin. And Medellin was known to always be a place where people kind of were reluctant to go to because of the remnants still that remain connected to Pablo Escobar. They're still there. But something extraordinary happened to Medellin over the last few years. It's become probably the hottest spot for expats in the world, if not one of them. And there are expats from everywhere moving to Medellin. So, Sonny, that's my question. What is it about Medellin that's drawing all these people? What is it about this place? Well, we could first start off with the weather, right? A lot of people look at something like climate as a major factor of moving. And this specific city exists between mountains. We're in a valley. Um, and the weather here rarely changes, rarely fluctuates. We're always in between somewhere between 60 to 80 degrees. So I think that's like a number one factor where most people get sort of a uh, major life improvement by moving here as far as their soul and, you know spiritually and it's also one of the places where you could you know you could get by with not making a lot of money especially if you're bringing money from abroad may that be dollars or euros or anything in between your money would get you pretty far here Mm -hmm. So, um, and as you mentioned, yes, this place has a history, has a history that's sort of infamous, but it's kind of like the argument, well, do you, do you visit Naples? Do you go to Italy? Because they're also very famous for having a history. So it's kind of that notion, right? It's, it is not exactly how safe or unsafe a specific city is, is how you carry yourself and who you associate yourself with. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that's sort of a mentality that someone needs to have when they're coming to a place like this. Yeah, yeah. So tell tell me a little bit more about you. What what motivates you to live the way that you're living? I think it's extraordinary how mm-hmm. you're living and experiencing all of these different places and having opportunities to see different cultures. What is the mm-hmm. motivation? How did you decide well, to, to start living that way? Yeah. As a young boy, I've always sort of had the idea of living in South America because it was sort of a exotic idea because I'm born in Asia and then I moved to North America as a child and I've always kind of fantasized about, oh, one day picking up Spanish and just moving here and just, you know, taking advantage of the idea of being able to work from home. But this idea is sort of harder to realize in the world that we used to live in. And uh, that has always kind of remained a fantasy, but I've positioned myself career-wise to be able to work from anywhere. And I guess what motivates me is just this idea of being able to do things a little bit differently than all my friends. Being able to live this life that takes advantage of what's out there as opposed to having this restriction that's, you know, most people where we're from in the US are more or less bound by geography. It's it's an ordeal to move from New Jersey to New York, let alone for you to dream bigger to say, oh, I'm gonna move my life to California but you're still dealing with the same sort of like, you're still paying American taxes when you get to California. Your life is not gonna drastically change. So for me, I guess it's the thrill of being able to do things a little bit differently because we've all found a way, I guess. And I've given up certain things in my life, say financially, to be able to live here, but as we're going to go over later, these financial sacrifices doesn't really amount to anything. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're able to work um, anywhere you you move to, basically? Yes. Yes. Well, um, at the start, I told my managers that I wanted to work part time, uh, location independent. And because of my unique position and these types of companies that it's, it's not a big deal because I'm not a client facing uh, role. Like I, I don't participate in client facing roles. So it's never a big deal for me to be handling my business across the internet from anywhere. And my, my managers recently and hopefully in the future will understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great, man. That sounds like some nice freedom. And, and you're, and you're a part of this, this large 
new movement that I see, you know, where there's just digital nomads living all over the globe today. And they're moving from one country to the next and working directly through their, their laptop. So it's pretty impressive what, you know, that we are becoming this global um, movement of people that have occupations and can and work from any destination in the world. That's pretty awesome. Let me pull up a map to show our viewers um, where Medellin is. And yes, relative we... to everywhere else. All right, so, so Colombia is right at the tip of South America. So if I pull it back, yes. people can take a look at that. It's, it's right on it the tip. Is basically north south america yep, on, yep. The, the, on the same instance that people call morocco north africa we're yeah. literally on the tip of the continent we're very close to the equator uh historically colombia panama and venezuela used to be one country just to wow. give some the historic perspective yeah yeah that's cool. Okay, and so you're you're located right here. I see Medellin coming mm -hmm. right up, and it's that looks like it's quite a distance from from the beach. There is there's no ocean here. Um, yeah, um, one of the major complaints of the people living here is not having access to the beach, but it's just something that people get used to. Yeah, and uh, for us, for us, if we want to take a trip to a beach town, most people fly up to Cartagena, which is about a eighty dollar round trip ticket from our city. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, Cartagena is like the hot spot in um, Colombia, yes. the beach town, the big hot spot. I think yes. it's quite. It is, I think it it's is quite a expensive. beach town. It's, it is it is a beach town. It is a port town. Um, prices for most things like hotels, uh, restaurants are uh, markedly more more expensive than inland cities for sure. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into the um, the price, the prices, the cost to live in in Colombia and Medellin. So you're saying you can really stretch out income, which is a big draw for a lot of people heading down there. What are we talking as far as, you know, decent apartments, you know, for a single guy, you're okay. a single guy, right? Yes, yes, so I am, I'm a single guy. I, I, I have certain requirements for apartments here and they're not as easy to accomplish as people think, but I could give you the full story. Okay. So, as you may have heard, there are such things as the gringo price, which is a set of prices or a percentage markup for foreigners. It doesn't matter where you're from, you, you just have to be a foreigner. And, uh, but with that said, uh, if you are a foreigner coming to Colombia for a short term, say under six months, your, your best bet is to go on Airbnb and stay one month and renegotiate a rate with the owner. That is your literal best bet. 
And if you're here for more than one year, then it pays to look for apartments that rent, um, how do you say this? That rent uh, the apartment between you and the owner, cutting out the middleman. Because a lot of situations in Colombia, they require you to have what's called fiadores, fiadoras, which are um, sort of your sponsor. It is like, uh, say, um, if you wanna rent this house and your credit is not so great, you need these people to sign on your behalf to say, be your you know, guarantee. And this process is very, very tricky because as a foreigner, is it is hard for you to trust people. Mm. And that is just a general advice that people understand. So with all that said, you should be able to find a three-bedroom apartment for under $800 on Airbnb, which is a number that's astronomically better than most, if not all states in the U.S., and for example, I rent a duplex in Laureles, which is a, uh, which is what people say the second best part of town to live in. I say is the best part because the so-called you know best part has a lot of hills, and I'm personally not a fan of having to you know take a cab everywhere that I have to go. So I rent a two-floor duplex with an office and the upstairs is just a loft i pay originally okay originally about 550 dollars american and it's a pretty good deal i mean the house is not like you know it's not a hundred percent well kept there's there's flaws, there's mistakes, but for the experience and for the price, it's really good. Mm -hmm. And that's just about the amount that most people are trying to pay. But if, but if I tell my friends, my local friends here, that I pay this amount, they all think I'm crazy. Because this for them would be the gringo price. Mm -hmm. But my point is, if you are really just sort of looking to get ripped off, you're looking on Facebook, you're posting your budget, and you're, and you're letting people know exactly what you want to spend, then obviously they're going to offer you things at your price. It doesn't matter if, if it's worth it or not. Yeah. So the best, like your best bet is to look on Airbnb. These, these places exist for, for a reason. Mm -hmm. yes yeah, that's, so, that's my major advice for people yeah that sounds like really good advice because it makes sense i mean if you stay in some place for a month a lot of these airbnb they're always looking to have those places occupied that's how they make money yes. so if you stick yes. if you stay there for a month and say hey i'm interested in staying longer but mm -hmm. let's negotiate they don't want to lose you if you've already stayed a month you know, exactly. it's better to Especially have somebody if you in there. Are a, you are a good guest. You didn't cause any problems. There was no ruckus at night. Exactly. They don't get exactly. near you. Yeah. Exactly. On the low Airbnb end. Owners, yeah, go ahead, sir. On the low end, I mean, mm -hmm. 
I've heard people can find things relatively cheap. And what I mean yes. by that is, you know, $150, $250 a month for places yes. to live and stay. And, and these are pretty decent places. You could rent rooms. You could rent rooms in these sort of collective apartments where it's open and there's shared kitchens for around that price. But the major caveat of these types of places is that it comes with a lot of house rules. It comes with a lot of, say, you're not allowed to have more than one visitor a week. You're not allowed to have, like, okay, it's just that these places you have to understand, right? It's cheap because people share. And when people share, there's a lot of house rules. Sure. So it's kind of like, my advice to you is that if you're coming here and all you can afford is something for $200, mm-hmm. then you need to be able to give up certain life liberties and certain virtues. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're not fluent in Spanish. If you're fluent in Spanish, there are certain parts of town where you could go live and the rent would be lower, but it wouldn't be, say, $200. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be 700 mil for a apartment with furniture. Because let's be honest, most people coming here for less than six months, there's no incentive to buy furniture. Sure. Unless, unless you're sort of, okay, like, I need to have a chair that I could comfortably sit on because I work from home and the majority of my life is behind a computer. So it's like my prerequisite for renting a house is to at least have a big desk where I could go buy a chair. And that is like, a requirement that's sort of harder to find on Airbnb than most people can imagine. Mm -hmm. Because you have to understand most, most Airbnb owners, they have these rooms set up as hotels with the anticipation that you're here as a tourist, that you're going to spend most of your time outside the house. They're not really trying to rent you a house and you're working from home and you're, you know, using more of the resources than you're supposed to. Yeah. But that's just the reality of people like us coming here. We're looking for a, for a different type of housing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's uh, to tell me a little bit about living in Medellin and what is required to, is there a visa required? What is the cost yes, to, yes. to get in? And so, also so, if you're going to rent an apartment, what do they require yeah. for deposits? Okay. So um, the first part, Colombia has a relatively difficult process for foreigners to try to stay long-term. So um, like the EU, um, Okay, similar to the EU, uh, passport holders from the US, uh, most European countries, uh, most Central American countries, they could come here without a visa for up to 90 days. And then uh, they can extend for another 90 days. So in one fiscal year, they can stay 180 days consecutively. 
And then uh, you could obviously overstay, but overstaying, you have to pay a fine, uh, depending on how many days you overstay. And that puts you on a uh, risk for getting banned for entering the country. So what is, okay, what was my solution of staying here for almost, for, for a whole year? Um, I enrolled in a local school and I've been taking uh, classes to learn Spanish virtually since March. And that process cost a, quite a bit of money, but I've been able to get a visa here legally to stay until the end of the year. And uh, the you second got a, part of you the got question- a You got a student visa. Yes, I have a student visa. Okay, so you, and your strategy was to, to take courses at, at some university there in Medellin? Yeah, um, I'm taking classes at this uh, English school for Colombians and they teach Spanish for, you know, foreigners and they do the whole visa process. Um, yeah, it's quite a, it's quite a good experience. They're a good school, but that's, that's basically how I did it. The other options is, okay, if you start a company here, uh, you need to have uh, around 30,000 US dollars in the Colombian bank account, uh, ready to be invested. No, ready to be invested. And, um, that's one option. That, that, that comes with its own, its own can of worms that we could go into later. Um, or you could buy a house for a, a, around 200,000 US dollars. But the very difficult part, no, like, okay. Like the part that's very difficult about this whole ordeal is that it's very difficult to get a mortgage when you're a foreigner in Colombia, or if you're a foreigner trying to buy a house in Colombia, hmm. if you're say from the US and you're trying to get a mortgage from Wells Fargo, it's very, very difficult. Yeah, yeah. So most people, they, they want to buy a house, they have to literally pay in cash or like some form of liquid cash, like sure. Bitcoin or something. Yeah. Sure. And um, you could retire, you could show that you have a pension that uh, or some sort of investments that is uh, paying you say a thousand US dollars. Don't quote me on this exact number, but it's around that, that ballpark. Or you could uh, work for a Colombian company, but the wages here are not what you think. And uh, I think there's one other option, but it's extremely difficult. Um, I think that is the one that you show that you are a freelancer, but the way to go about getting that paper, you need to show a lot of proof that you are a freelancer, that you can support yourself. And I hear just from stories that is one of the harder ones to be able to obtain. And then there's like one other kind that I don't really remember, but it's also very temporary. So as far as being able to rent a house, uh, how much the deposit was. Okay, so my rent was, was okay, originally five, 500 some, 570, depending on the fluctuation of the dollar. My deposit was only $400. Okay, that's... That's that's reasonable. It's almost it's comparable yeah. to kind of 
U.S. a little bit, a little less, but a little less. And I had to show them some some sort of proof of income. So I showed them a pay stub from the U.S., and that was really all, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like how long have you been in in Colombia now? Have you been there? Okay, for- so, yeah. So I arrived last year in November. I stayed uh, November, December, and then I came back as a tourist uh, January first. And then uh, during uh, March, I decided to get a student visa. And that visa took about six weeks to process. And uh, I've been living here ever since. Did you choose Medellin because you've heard of all of the movement of expats living there? No, I've been to Colombia for vacations before COVID. And Medellin has always been sort of a fabled place that my friends say, oh, don't, don't go, don't go. It's, it's dangerous. You're going to get kidnapped and all these, all these wild stories. And then none of that is true. Like, I mean, okay, okay, okay. Let's just, let's just, let's just talk about this topic, safety with a grain of, grain of salt because (laughs) because there are obviously situations to be getting into doesn't matter if you're in Medellin doesn't matter if you're in Chicago it doesn't matter if you're in Los Angeles there are certain things that you shouldn't be doing and we could you know we could talk about this all day but the similarities of how people get in trouble everywhere on this blue earth is very similar. Very, yeah. very, very yeah. similar. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. What is um what have you found the nightlife to be like? Okay, so uh nightlife. I am the type that sort of I like to go out with small groups groups of friends to like lounge areas because if you're the type that likes discos and you like the loud music and you like uh, predominantly 70% I don't want to say 70% just just okay it's mostly reggaeton. If you don't like reggaeton, Medellin is gonna be a challenge. And with that said, it's, they are, there are nice clubs, there are nice clubs, but they are sort of in parts of towns where there's infamous for say prostitution, Uh, there's, there is, sort of this rampant idea that you know um they open to attract certain types of people and i don't want to say all nightclubs are like that but it's just the way that it functions here in colombia Mm -hmm. so for me i'm more the 
the type to sort of meet women online, say on you know Tinder. But but with that said, Tinder is kind of infamous here for bad stories and druggings. But I personally has never had any problems, mm-hmm. and I think it comes with a certain you know certain 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 way of looking for you know these women and it's the same strategy that i would have say if i was in los angeles or chicago or new york which we could get into and i think it's kind of i think it's kind of a kind of a known trap here yeah and if you fall for it it is it is sort of it's not a hundred percent your your fault, but they do have a culture here of saying not give you know papaya. Mm-hmm. This whole idea of not making yourself vulnerable in situations that would ideally put someone in a vulnerable you know position, sure. and something like that is sort of a prevailing idea. But overall. Nightlife here, I say if you're a single guy, you're coming here and you're looking for certain specific things, Medellin would be a very sort of suitable location for yeah, a short yeah. vacation. Yeah. yeah. Let's um let's talk a little bit about what uh like food in so Colombia is known for what coffee. They're they they're See, known for coffee. Yes. They and they have and they have amazing food. I mean, what are some of the what are some of the main dishes there that people eat quite a bit? I remember when I lived in New York City, you know, I'd always eat a lot of arroz con pollo and sopa uh-huh. de pollo, and it, it, you know, uh-huh. and it just, um, so, and just so much flavor in the food. I just love it. Food, okay. Colombian food traditionally is very focused on carbohydrates. It's not uncommon to find on your plate with three, okay, with with anywhere between two to four different types of carbohydrates. And the idea is basically um, these meals were designed in the past for the farmers and the workers to be able to eat a big meal in the morning to, to have a lot of energy to work the fields. But in reality, um, Colombian food is not the healthiest, I would say, because just the abundance of carbohydrates on you know, everyday you know, serving. But it is tasty. It is tasty. And it's and it's quite it's quite cheap to eat if you don't mind eating locally. A lot of these local spots will offer you menu, menu del dia, which is uh, the menu of the day. And these range anywhere from nine to, no, anywhere from five to 15 mil, which is anywhere from a dollar fifty to $4, depending yeah. on where you are, where, which part of town. But it's mm. but it's something very affordable and it's and it's and it's good food. You'll get a juice, you'll get a soup, you'll get a choice of meat, you know, and it'll come with rice, salad, uh, banana, avocado, 
take uh, uh, avocado. Sorry, I'm just getting my, my names all mixed up. And uh, arepa, which is like their toast, which is like their bread. So there's a, a lot of carbs. And then most places will offer you like a coffee or like a dessert afterwards. Mm. And that ranges from a dollar fifty to four dollars. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I I just love Colombian food. I just love it, man. Mm-hmm. I could eat it every day. It's so it's so good. Right. It's so good. Yeah. So that's awesome. And so wow, that's really really super affordable. So from anywhere from a buck mm-hmm. on up, you can find yeah. these. What are they called again? Those deals of the day. Menu menu del dia. Menu del dia. Okay. Yeah. It, which is basically the plan of the day. Like whatever the kitchen is cooking, if you want it, it's between a dollar fifty and four dollars. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what about what about healthcare? What do you oh, do? What do what do people do for healthcare down mm-hmm. there? Okay, so most foreigners, if you're coming here as an expat and you're earning in U.S. dollars, um, you have a few options. You could purchase international insurance, traveler's insurance, which, in my opinion, is a little bit harder to operate on, like, the day-to-day. Say, okay, say you hurt your foot. It's harder to go through the international insurance because it's, it's, just, it's just another step in the process. But if you realize, okay... If you're paying out of pocket to see a specialist, any specialist, any specialist you could imagine, it wouldn't be more than a hundred US dollars for the for the consultation. Like to give you an example, I had to see a uh, uh, ENT for my sinuses, and the consultation was literally forty-two dollars without insurance. And then the medications are okay. So what I've noticed here are if you're if you're used to paying a certain price in the US for your medication, the number is literally the same. Like the number, right? So if you're used to paying, say, uh, $150 a month for pills that you need every day, yeah. here you'll be you'll be able to find almost in all circumstances that these pills cost around 150 mil pesos. It's $40. Like pills somehow, like you're able to purchase, okay, most medications here will cost you about a fourth of what you pay in the US, no matter how you look at it. Like you could buy, a box of you know okay um the okay the retail price for a bar of bengue in the u.s would be say 9.99 mm-hmm. here you literally pay around 12 mil pesos which is around two dollars and 80 cents yeah just to give you an example so things are things are relatively similar as far as the numbers but the dollar worth four times as much as the pesos. Sure. And that's just basically what everything here feels like. Everything feels like it's a third or a fourth what it's supposed to be of what you're used to from yeah. the US. 
Where do you see most of the expats coming from? Okay, in reality, there is expats from all parts of the world here. Uh, for example, my landlord here, um, it's a partnership between a, uh, a gentleman from Germany and his partner here in Colombia. They share ownership of my apartment. And then when I pay rent, I guess they share it. Um, I have met people from India that come here. I have met um, people from Switzerland. Obviously, obviously, most most of the foreigners are are, are coming from the U.S. Mm. Just from the sheer proximity of, of of where we are and where Miami is. Um. Yeah, but, but, but there's just people from all over. But I would say there's not a lot of Asians. Like. Like my advice, if you're a single Asian guy and you have a little bit of confidence in you, come to Latin America, come to Colombia. Like the women here are more than happy to meet because we, we, we don't exist here. Like this is, this is not Brazil where, where there's plenty of Asians. Like in Colombia, there's really not that many of us. And it's, and it's, and it's, and it's great because I don't, I don't have any trouble meeting women. Um, learning Spanish helps, but uh, in general, there's not a lot of us here. Yeah, yeah. How is your, how is your Spanish coming along? Um, so in the grand scheme of things, they have like uh, proficiency, you know, levels for all languages, right? Um, I'm what they say a B2. I'm B2 in Spanish, so I'm like uh, advanced intermediate. Okay. So I can hold my own in everyday situations. Uh, I don't really have issues. Um, say like for the first four months here, I kind of needed my you know Google Translator app almost every day. But now it's gotten to a point where unless I'm really trying to explain a story that came out of left field, I don't, I don't, I don't need the translator. That's, that's terrific. That's impressive. How many, how many languages do you speak? So, okay. I would say semi-fluently to fluently, I would say three. Uh, I speak Cantonese, Chinese, uh, English, and I guess Spanish with a semi-fluent, you know, proficiency. Mm -hmm. And uh, for living in Holland for a few years, I understand enough. Okay, I speak enough. I speak enough Dutch to get me in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I know enough Arabic to get me in trouble, like big trouble, <laughs> because because there there was just a lot of a lot of immigrants from you know Morocco living in Amsterdam. I a lot of friends from you know Morocco, and I spend time there as well. So I I have I have my experience with that but it's like those those two languages i don't use i don't i don't i don't get to practice my dutch ever i don't yeah. i don't i don't i don't i don't practice arabic it's just it's just how seldomly do i do i do i meet people from mm -hmm. you know sure but but you know I, i've i've had exposure with these five nice
Very nice. Let's um, let's look at that. We haven't we haven't covered the utilities yet. So, uh -huh, um, uh -huh. so the utilities like a cell phone, um, yep. Wi-Fi, all those costs. Uh -huh. Are, are those included in rent or do you have to, to purchase those individually? Obviously a cell okay, so, to do individually, but yeah. Yeah. If you, if you rent through Airbnb and continue with the landlord, obviously you don't have to deal with the telephone company. You don't have to deal with electricity. You don't deal with internet that will all come with it. And if you rent on your own and you somehow get past all the needing a, uh, you know, guarantor, how do you say that in English? A, uh, a, uh, like someone to guarantee you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like if you get past all those steps, uh, you have to deal with the internet company. You have to deal with the phone company. I don't think it's very expensive, but it's very time consuming mm -hmm. because uh things work a little bit slower down here and things get lost in uh translation because we can get into this later because it's just not a big culture for people to help you get things right the first time mm -hmm. and that's especially prominent for electric companies and internet companies but as far as cell phone service you want to come here with a phone that's unlocked May that be Samsung, may that be, a, be, sorry, may that be Android, may that be iPhone, just something unlocked. And once you've land, uh, you have to register your IMEI number with mm -hmm. the government, which is not difficult to do. You just have to go to the store and like, you know, do it. Uh, but you could buy a prepaid SIM card for like $1.50. And then every 30 days, I pay around $8 US for unlimited talk and text and, and like, and, and like 10 gigabytes of data. Okay. So, $8. Wow. So it's, it's much more affordable down there than it is in the States. Yes, it is incredibly trivial to, to, to have a cell phone service. It's $8. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, like if you're a expat and you're coming here and you cannot afford eight dollars a month, then Medellin is not your place. Sure. You know, and it's just it's something very trivial. Yeah, yeah. Sonny, how do you get around in Medellin? Do you do you have a scooter? Do you have a bike? Walk? Okay, so I personally don't have a scooter nor bike. Uh I figured out how to take the buses here. Uh, which is a lot of trial and error, especially in my early months where I didn't speak very, very much, you know, Spanish or fluently. Uh, so if you don't mind taking the bus, you could get around the city most parts for 2,400. So 2,400 pesos each ride. So that's about 60 cents, mm -hmm. 60 cents per ride. And uh, that's literally one of the best ways to get by because, okay, if you're used to taking buses in North America, you're used to like being able to just get off and on at the stops. Buses in Colombia, they they operate a little bit different. They will let you off wherever you want to be let off. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you could practically get on wherever you could stop the bus safely and get on. Wow. 
so it's so it's like very advantageous to 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 be able to be to to take the box here but but i do understand you know if you're not as advantageous not fluent in Spanish, you don't want to take the risk of being lost. Uh, Uber, Uber, InDriver, uh, Cabify, D, 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 these are apps. So basically, from one end to the city to the other, you're looking at anywhere between six to nine dollars. Okay. Nine dollars being being like your driver has been playing games with you. He's been lying to you. He's been he's been driving around the garden, like for thirty minutes, just 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 to run the meter out, and that wouldn't be ten dollars. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. So 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 it's like if you want to go one end to the other, and you're with a good taxi driver, it's about seven. Mm hmm. Cool. Um, when you first landed in in uh, Medellin. What is the first thing that you noticed that was different from like Jersey or New York? I mean, a lot of people when they decide to go overseas and they experience a, a completely different uh, world and culture, certain things stick out. They stand out and you're like, whoa, you don't ever see that in New York. Mm -hmm. You don't ever see that. And you don't ever see that in the Netherlands. Yeah. You don't, you know, what is it that stuck out for you in, in Medellin? For me, realistically, not a lot on the surface. Because when you arrive, the airport is about 45 minutes away from the city. And it's like a mountain drive, right? So I guess the first thing that you would notice is that okay, geographically, you're somewhere totally different because well i mean depending on where you're coming from in the u.s because you know there are mountainous places like if you're if you're somebody from denver and you're going to you know medellin and you see mountains like it's not going to surprise you but for us like coming from new york new jersey like the tri-state area when you see a city as big as medellin situated in a valley it's something that you're looking at and like wow it's like I, this is a, this is a, this is a big site. Yeah. But you know, as far as everyday life, like there's taxis everywhere, right? Like people go to work the same. There's buses. Uh, it smells like marijuana here everywhere. Just like Manhattan. <laughs> Just like Manhattan. It's exactly the same. So it's like so it's like I mean, most places where life goes on that I've noticed are very very similar yeah yeah and it's like and it's like i don't think the fair question to be asked is like what do you see similar the first the, the, the fairest question to be asked is that what do you see that is not similar sure yeah yeah what's the cost of a cerveza in and around cerveza, okay. about a dollar us no, like a dollar US in like a cheaper neighborhood would be like a uh, 40. No, 40. Yeah, it's like, it's like a big, it's a big bottle, big bottle for like four mil, for like a dollar 10 cents. 
and if you want, if you want, if you want something around this neighborhood, like a like a bottle of Corona would be like five new, would be like a dollar fifty, because I do live in like a nicer neighborhood, and like the prices here are fluctuated. Mm-hmm. But it's but it's nothing. But it's nothing. Nothing that you could easily overdose and kill yourself here for like five dollars. Yeah. Wow. Right. 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 There's, there's this prevailing joke, right? Like alcohol is legal in the U.S. and you could easily go and like kill yourself for ten bucks. But here, you could do it for three. And that's literally how cheap alcohol is. It is. It is something that is just. And they don't check your ID. Like, like I, I get my ID checked practically for everything in the U.S. But here, it's like if you're 18, you're, you're allowed to drink, mm-hmm. and even younger. Yeah. To be practical. Okay, so the legal age is 18 there. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, what else can you tell us that's unique or interesting about? your experience in, in Colombia, in particular Medellin? Well, um, the people here are friendly, as people say. But at the end of the day, if you don't speak Spanish, you can't communicate with them. So, so that's just general advice, right? Like, if you're coming here, you really, really need to make an effort of learning the language. Like Colombia is not Spain where you could go and you could find more people than not that speak and mother European language. May that be English, may that be French, you, you, you're German, you'll be able to find your way. Here it's, it is, another story like uh most most people i've met they rather learn portuguese portuguese when they're in high school as opposed to taking out english Mm. so it's something to really think about and um other interesting things um If you're a single guy coming here, the dating culture could be a bit of a shock and awe because because, um, there's a huge culture of being flaky, being very flaky. The girl could be very interesting. It could be sort of, you guys could be, you know, talking for a few days. And then when it comes, you know, time when you guys had had a date, she could just not show up. And that's just something sort of common here and it happens hmm. more often than not. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, that, but it's impressive, man. I mean, you're living, you're living an amazing life and, and uh, it's really super impressive. Sonny, what is next for you? What is so next? Uh, I'm actually on my way to Bogota. I'm going to, be living there, say, for the next three months maximum for the remainder of my visa. 
and then uh, can okay. Hopefully, I get my second dose of uh, the vaccine here in Colombia, because as you know, there's, there's there was a complication with that, um, but new doses have arrived. And uh, once I've got that finished, uh, I should be on my way to Argentina. Okay. Which they say is the Paris of South America. Yeah. Yeah. That's Paris, awesome, man. So you're going to go to Bogota, Bogota next, then, then uh, Argentina. And, yes. uh, and you're going to continue to still work for the organization that you currently yes. work with. Yes. Fantastic. Okay. Is there any, uh, any um, Escobar um stories that you've heard since you've been down there any no the yeah. people here they shy away from this topic because it's because it's sort of a national shame ah and okay. like people here they get really sort of bent out of shape if you mention it in a okay it takes skill to ask what happened and there's only certain situations where you should feel comfortable to mention it because it's just, it's just, it's very similar if you want to talk about similar culture with Italians in Italy, they get really bent out of shape because it's not something that's positive. And there's a lot of, there were a lot of harm that came out of it. And it's the general advice for the foreigner coming here. If you want to learn about what happened, just go on Netflix and watch all these numerous TV shows, they got it right 80%. Mm -hmm. And if you're coming here and you don't have the, like, like you're, you're not genuine here. Okay. You're not living here genuinely trying to make friends. And then you're asking people about something like that, that caused them so much pain. Mm -hmm. it's usually not a bad idea no no it, it is usually a bad idea but yeah, you know yeah. if you if you make friends then then you know sooner or later it'll be okay because if they're your friends they'll explain it to you it'll be more like a joke but yeah. it's but it's something that carries a big stigma yeah for, yeah for, 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 gotcha yeah. yeah well thank you for that and thank you for sharing that because i think that's very important um yeah, yeah. so Sonny, that that's all I have, man. Um, you are you really are an impressive young man. I think you are just an awesome young man, um, and I'm so impressed with what you're doing and how you're living your life. And um, and thank you so much for taking the time to share your insights on uh, Medellin and your travels in Colombia. It's a beautiful place, and I'd I'd love to come down and, and visit you one day, man. Yeah, sure. Just send me a message on Facebook. Right there. Will do, bud. Well, thanks so much, and have a have a terrific rest of the day. Okay, great. You too. Bye. Okay. Take care.